Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Nicholas Davenport, aka Mr. Mental Muscle. And today on the Mental Muscle Podcast, I want to talk about what may be stopping a lot of people from reaching their fitness goals. Now, on previous podcasts, I talked about exercise, how the body adapts and changes based on what type of exercise modalities you choose. I talked about the actual physiology, how the body generates energy to be able to do different exercise modalities. I talked about how exercise can be used to help with brain health. So this one is a little more different because I want to focus on the things that may be holding people back. Now, a lot of times, the first and foremost, I think when people don't reach their fitness goals, and this is just due to my experience in the fitness and strength and conditioning industry is, one, they don't even realize where they're at. Now, typically, you do an assessment. It might be doing your body fat measure, your weight, uh, seeing how many inches each body part has. You might do some fitness assessments such as a mile test or a one rep max or three rep max, things that are going to get the physical ability to see where you are at this moment in time. Now, that's great. We need that because how do you know you've changed over four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, a year if you don't know where you started from? So I think simply put, that's the first thing you should do. Know where you're at from a physical standpoint so you know how much you have increased or not increased or even done worse because that does happen. And we'll talk a little bit about getting set back. So that's the first thing we're going to look at. But from the other side of that, from a psychological perspective, we want to look at how the person feels reflecting on where they're at in a mental state, because a lot of times the behavior change is the hard part. Most people can get up at 6 a.m. They can go to the gym. They can do their hour on the treadmill or 45 minutes or do 30 minutes of lifting, 30 minutes of cardio. However you see fit, there's nothing wrong with that. And we'll get into more so exercising versus working out versus training. But that's the easy part, just getting in there. But the hard part is consistently doing that, not just over a few days, a few weeks, a few months, but making it a habit as it's just as you're going to work. Because a lot of people say, well, I go to work all the time, but the incentive is I get paid, I get money. Now, I see that as a problem. When I taught at the college, I used to teach a class called Total Wellness, and it, it was a combination of psychology, health, nutrition, of exercise science. So we learned a little bit of everything to be a healthier, better performer. Now, the problem I saw a lot of times with my students is they would make excuses of, well, but my job pays me. And that's true. The job does pay you. So it makes sense to say, what are your grass where it grows? But I find a problem with that statement because while monetary value is needed in our capitalistic society, and capitalism is a great thing, I think, but that's besides the point. But we have to make money to eat, thrive, you have a business like myself, you have to generate revenue. But what about the well-being? I know it seems cliche. You have to be healthy. You have to be in shape to carry out day-to-day tasks just to survive. But we kind of forget that. And that kind of goes into my point when I say no more saber-toothed tigers. We've gotten to the point where it's gotten so civilized that we can neglect and negate those responsibilities from the physical and even mental health well-being of our existence. So that's the first thing you got to question. Why am I not looking at this in the same light that I would look at someone going to work to my job? Even leisure activities, we find time for that. So it's not saying there's a bad thing with wanting to be driven for your job or your career or having leisure activities with your friends and family. That's a great way to have a mental health well-being and could be a physical thing too. But we should put them in the same category. Why not? This is what we need to thrive. So that's the next step putting them in the same threshold. Don't look at it as, oh man, I got to work out. This is not saying you can't dread it because at the end of the day, you, you shouldn't fake it necessarily until you make it. 
but you should at least perceive it so you can achieve it. <laughs> I just made it up just right now, but that's besides the point. If you can perceive it, it, it sets in the mind's eye that you can do this. It doesn't necessarily guarantee it's going to get done, but you're prepping your mental state to say, hey, physically adapt and get ready to what's about to happen. See yourself doing the reps. See yourself walking into the gym. See yourself struggling even because now your body is becoming accommodated with your brain already prepped and primed for it. So these are things you can do before you even get sweaty. So I think people should look at it as that way, reflecting on what you need to do, assessing where you're at physically, because it's going to dictate the next few weeks to months of your training program. So you don't set yourself up for failure, because a lot of times what I noticed and this even happened to me because I used to be a high level athlete that you get overzealous. You want to achieve that goal so bad that you forget that you have to start with step one. And once you get that, it's no problem, but we jump the gun. So going back to assessing and reflecting where you're at, let's talk about something called the stages of change. This is a very uh, common practice. It's actually called the trans-theoretical model of behavior change, or we just call it the five stages of change for this. And it was created to see what part of your journey or your goal setting to get to said behavior or stop old behavior and if you know where you're at, you can progress. Now, it doesn't mean it should be taken to heart, take it with a grain of salt, but at least it gives you a, a framework, a parameter, because when you can make things tangible, it's much easier to execute them. So the five stages are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. Now, each stage has a defined part, but we're not going to say that you have to go through each one. Because it depends on where you're at in this goal or this endeavor, because you might be a little ahead of the curve because you're realizing what you need to do already. But some people don't, so they have to start back further. So I'll break them down, and then we can go further. So the first one, pre-contemplation. So I call this thinking about, thinking about, thinking about thinking. This means either it's not even a thought in your head that this current behavior is not beneficial or you need to start the new behavior. It's not even a thought in your mind. You don't realize it yet. Or you realize it but you're not motivated, you're not dedicated enough to want to change it. So that's where you're at if you're in the pre-contemplation. Either you haven't even thought that is detrimental. So say, for example, we're using fitness, right? Let's say you put on some pounds over the last year or two. It slowly crept up, so you didn't really notice it, but you notice you're more out of breath. You're having trouble doing everyday things that you used to didn't have trouble doing. You start feeling your clothes don't fit the same. Then eventually someone says to you, hey, uh, you put on a little weight. And they might say it nicely. This actually happened to me during uh, 2020 after the pandemic because of life change for everyone mentally. But I gained some weight and it took a good friend of mine. Shouts out to Phil DeRue from DeRue Strong. Great friend. And he's also a world-renowned strength coach. So coming from him, it was like, hey, I need to get it in gear. So I wasn't even realizing that I needed this change because life was just running away from me. So that's where I was. But some people, they know, well, dang, I, I put on some weight. I ain't the same person I was in high school, and that's fine, but you need to improve, right? So basically, once you feel like, uh, I don't really care enough, I'd rather watch my favorite Netflix series, or I'd rather go to the movies or go drink with my friends. So you know you need to change. So this, this is a pre-contemplation. So this is the first place you're at before you make the actual change. Now, the next stage is contemplation. Now it's like, okay, I know I've gained this weight, or I know I've been living unhealthy. I need to get in shape. I need to eat better. But I don't know if I'm still ready. I don't know if I'm motivated enough to do this yet. This journey is going to be a hard one, but I need to get on it. But you haven't done anything yet. So this is the contemplation stage. This is where a lot of people linger for a while because most people know that 60 to 70% of America is overweight or obese. And actually more of those 60 to 70% is obese than overweight. 
So you can see how we're aware of this, but we're not doing anything. So I would argue that the person in the contemplation stage, this is a pivotal point because they know they need to change. They just haven't done it. But this segues into the preparation stage because with preparation, now you're going to look at it as, okay, I need to get into shape. Let me look up different resources in my area, gyms, trainers, nutritionists, whatever things you need to get this goal, whatever resources you need to be accessible to, you're going to start looking into that. You still haven't done it yet, but you're a lot closer because now remember saying that perception. Now you say, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. Let me take some steps, not full action yet. We're going to get to action. But with the preparation, it shows you've taken the time. You've thought it out to an extent where this is getting real. But now you have to pull the trigger, pull the lever and make it happen. Now that leads us to the action stage. So this means you've gotten a trainer or you've gotten a membership. Or you've gotten whatever you needed. You're doing it. You're exercising two, three times a week. This could look a lot of different ways. You can do some walks just to get started, or you can go full force and do a, a strict training regimen. But whatever it is, you've started now. You're physically active now. You're doing what you need to do. But the thing is, it's not sustained yet. When I used to be in the fitness world, I would ask potential clients and say, hey, uh, you worked out before this? Have you been physically active? And they're like, oh, yeah, I work out two, three days a week. And I'm like, oh, really? Now, the problem with that was I would say, oh, really, is because there was an incongruence of what they were saying versus what they look like. And it was no judgment. It's just like for someone working two to three times a week, eating healthy, as they claim, you should be a little better shape than this. But it turns out they've only been doing it for three weeks. Now, that's nothing to take off their accomplishment. Great. They started. But you're not going to see a real change physically, and you're definitely not going to see a real change behaviorally. This, this makes me want to segue into a point of the 21 days to break a habit or form a habit. People say that number all the time. Sometimes 30, but it's usually 21 because 21 just rings, like it rolls off the tongue. 21, 21, shouts out 21 Savage. But basically, this is not true. Behavior change takes much longer than three weeks to a month. Sometimes it can take years. So there's no set number. So it's just a matter of how do you adapt to these changes? Because remember, we talked about in previous videos how exercise is physiological stress, which plays a part in psychological stress. So you have to take it one day at a time, literally. So don't get caught up in the numbers. So this is a perfect example, I think, of another reason why people don't achieve their goals. They get caught up in too many numbers of when it should happen, how it should happen, where it should happen. So let's touch on this. So let's talk about when it should happen. Now, you do need an outcome goal. You should have some kind of finite number or finite day that you want to achieve said goal. Because if you just have an ongoing, I want to keep doing to do it, yeah, you might hit it. But imagine aiming for a target that just kept going further and further back. It's going to be a hard shot to hit, but basically the same thing can be applied to your fitness goals. So look at the outcome as just the overall view of what we're trying to do, but it's not limited to that because there's other type of goals such as process goals and performance goals, and they play two different factors, but it all adds up to said outcome. So process goals, a lot of people talk about this is the day-to-day, but we can even break it down even more minimal to the minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour, because these situations and segments all play a role. So it's not saying that you have to be that detailed or that specific, but take into account, how do you get up out of bed? Do you just jump up, jump out, brush your teeth and go? Do you have to get a bunch of coffee in your system? What's going on? Because these processes are going to add up to the performance. So if we're going with the fitness route, obviously the process is going to the gym, doing your day-to-day workouts or your day-to-day regimen. That has to happen. But are you doing it in a consistent manner? And doesn't mean that's to be consistent as in every day or all the time. It just means that this is the segments of when I'm going to do this. Plan for that. 
we plan for I want to lose 20 pounds. We plan for I want to squat 400 pounds. But we don't plan for I just need to get up out of bed, get to the gym at six o'clock. Boom, there we go. Or I need to go for a walk after I finish my, my dinner. Just, you know, burn a few extra calories and get a little more activity in because you did your workout, but you want to do some more and just get some fresh air. So whatever it may be, this is the process. This is the day-to-day, minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour that adds up to the bigger performance. Now, with the performance, this is the actual skills that are being increased or you're embarking on doing so you can get to that outcome. Because if I go to the gym, six o'clock, make that a habit, cool. But what's going on there? Am I able to progress the weight I'm lifting? Am I able to do the sets that I prescribe? This is your performance. How much are you getting done when you do it? This is going to make sense of how we make progress because you need to have a measurable way. The outcome is still further down, but we know we're getting closer to it because I know I lifted more weight or I know I ran a little more miles or I burned a little more calories. Whatever that measure you're trying to get, you got to specify what that is. That's going to play the factor and then you get to the outcome. So you have to plan for the process, make it happen, then increase your performance. The performance puts you in position, keyword puts you in position to get that outcome goal. Now that's more so the when, but what about the the where? This is another part. I had people ask me over the years when I used to do strength conditioning or just general fitness of, I want to lose weight in this specific area. I want to get this strength in this specific region at this specific pace. It doesn't work like that. Yes, you can isolate groups. You can target muscles, but the outcome you're looking for is not going to happen like you want it to. I'm not getting to the the metabolic science of how your body breaks down energy, but it's not that cut and dry of where it's going to come from. Genetically speaking, you might have regions that it'll lose faster or strengthen faster than others. And these are things you just can't control or account for. So you shouldn't get too caught up because spot reduction, that's what it's called, is when you try to target one area, one area and lose fat from there. And I know fitness goals can go many directions, but I think the most common is toning up or losing weight, getting leaner. So let's go with that. So it's like, you can't really guarantee that this area is gonna reduce fat, but obviously you need to burn calories. And I would argue just from what I know, is you need to do more muscle groups because it's a more demand. The more you demand the body to do, the more it stresses it, the more you can adapt and get better. So when you do spot reduce or just target one group, you're actually doing less work because it's less going on, less force and energy needed. Therefore, you burn less and also doesn't have that hormonal demand because remember, hormones play a factor in how we build muscle, get in shape too. And you can increase the hormones needed to build muscle to make you more anabolic, which means gain muscle, or if you don't, makes you more catabolic, which reduces muscle. And this is a big mistake a lot of people do. I guess that goes to the how. I touched this briefly on our exercise podcast, and it's about what modality do you choose? Most people, when they get into fitness, the first thing is to do a lot of cardio. Cardio can come in many forms. It could be running, swimming. It could be biking. Whatever it is, it's just about having a higher heart rate over a prolonged amount of time. So that's really what it comes down to. But remember, we talk about energy systems. It's going to be particular on what you're trying to do. It's going to add into that goal because if you're just doing cardio-based Exercises, yes, you'll burn calories. Yes, you're doing work. Yes, the energy demand is there. Great. But the body is not that cut and dry. It's going to pick where to get the energy from based on the modality used. So if you're doing a lot of cardio, that means it's going to use primarily fat to energize it. But guess what? Fat is more calories per gram. So one gram of fat is nine calories. One gram of protein and carbs is four calories. 
carbs is the first place the energy is going to come from. When you immediately start exercising, you're going to your, your energy source from the glucose or the glycogen in your muscles. So that's what's getting used. But once that's depleted and it's trying to replenish more ATP, then it's going to go to those fat stores. But guess what? Over time, the demand gets higher. So I was like, wait, let's save back on these fat stores a little bit. And then let's go to that muscle, which guess what? Being catabolic, you don't want that because less muscle mass, less energy demand. Muscle is active tissue, meaning it demands energy to exist. Our bodies have evolved to get rid of it if the demand gets too high and we need to reserve fat. So by proxy, what you're doing is by doing excess cardio, you're making yourself reduce how much muscle you can build and increase how much fat you can retain. That's why if you look at a sprinter, look, just go to any Olympic track meet video, click on Olympic track meet sprinters, and after that, go to Olympic track meet marathon or mile runners. You're going to look at two different body types. You tell me. I'm not even going to stay right here. Go check that out. That's your homework for me. So go look at that. Tell me what body type you more likely want to be. Now, getting into body image, let's not go too deep. I'm not saying you should look like that, but tell me which one is closer to what your goal looks like. Leave that in the comments below. So basically, that's the how, when, and where where people make mistakes are going about their fitness goals. So eradicating that in itself will help out. Now, this next part, I look at it as the physical activity versus exercise, exercise versus working out, and working out versus training. So the previous podcast about this, we went into physical activity versus exercise. So I'll recap that real quick. So if you're just doing physical activity, that's anything that moves your body. That's going to check the mail, walking the dog, uh, doing garden work, yard work, dancing at the club, whatever. Anything that moves the body makes you have to go. That, that's physical activity. It demands some kind of energy to be used. It's not very intentional. Usually it's things you're going to do day to day anyway. You need that. You should have that because you're more active in those parts. That's probably the majority of your life. The majority of your life isn't exercise or working out, right? So that's why you should be pretty active physically day to day. But exercise comes in when you have more intent. So you're saying, oh, I'm going to do this actual exercise, a squat, a bench press, a row, whatever it is. So that's intentional. It's usually higher intensity. So it's harder to do. Walking to check your mail doesn't take a lot of work. And if it does, that's why you should get in shape, right? So basically it's more intense and it usually has repetition. You're doing structured sets and reps. So that's the difference between physical activity and exercise. Let's recap that. Now going from exercise to working out. Exercise, like I said, you might be doing different drills, different tasks at the gym, going to the treadmill, going to a machine. Cool. You're exercising. Great. Your body's getting more out of that. But working out, it's more so you have some kind of structured workout where you're doing two to three exercises for different muscle groups or the same muscle group, but different variations. You have some reps and sets set up at a certain amount, volume increases. You have different rest breaks periods, and you're going to do that over a course of time. It might be multiple groups combined like a superset or a giant set. Or it might be all of them linearly, or it might be one, then the other, then the other, then back to the top. Whatever you format it, that's a workout. It's, it's more collective. It's more specified as a, a closer goal of what you're trying to do. Like people used to do the, the old bodybuilder split back and buys, chest and tries. Cool. That's a workout. You're doing a workout for those groups. Now, where training comes in, this is where more people should get to. Not saying you have to be a clear-cut structured training program like a strength coach would do. Because with a strength coach, how they're going to look at it is, what is the outcome? At eight weeks, this is where we should be. Let's back up, reverse engineer how much sets, reps, volume. Because remember, volumes is sets, reps, and weight. 
You add that up. So if you do 100 pounds, three sets of 10 reps, that's 30 total repetitions times 100. That's 3,000 pounds. So you see the numbers add up. So you know your body got 3,000 pounds of intensity over that duration. So with a training program, we're going to look at how much reps, weight, volume you're getting each time. We're going to know exactly how much rest should be given between the rest of the workout as well as the days in between so you know how to go about programming. Because guess what? Going back to that, knowing the, the actual numbers, the measurements to get the results you want, you can know systematically if I did 20,000 pounds of volume this week and it was too easy, try 25,000 maybe or 30. If that was just right, continue that. Progress gradually maybe by 5,000 a week. If it's still too easy, go up 10,000. If it's too hard, stay there or reduce it. So now you know this is where I should be. It's called the micro cycle. So maybe two to four weeks. Then it goes to the bigger picture, which is the macro cycle, because that's the whole program from week one to week, say, 12. So we know this is where we're going. Now, if you've never thought of that, because I know there's people that follow this that are in that field, but I know there's some that aren't. If you don't know that, that's okay because a lot of people don't. So now go about it that way. Like I said, it doesn't have to be to the T of I need to know exact every rep, every weight, but you need to know this is what I'm doing these days for this amount of weeks and keep that structure because this brings you to that consistency. A lot of people aren't consistent just because they don't have the motivation. That, that could be part of it, but motivation can only go so far. I don't care how great an athlete, how great in shape you are. I don't care. Motivation comes and goes. Discipline comes and goes. Some people say, who needs motivation? You need discipline. I would argue you need both because motivation gives you that drive, but discipline keeps you in the car, right? So who cares how, how far the, the car can drive if you're not even getting in it or you get out at a previous stop? So that's why they go hand in hand. But having this clear-cut plan is to make it a perfect way to drive, but it'll at least give you that framework to know that this is what I'm doing this day. Less cognitive a little to even think about what to do because guess what? You don't get... A bombarded with like, what do I do? And that's easier just like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to sit here, watch Netflix, do, do your thing, relax, chill. So this is something we need to take into consideration when we're getting into our goals, how to stay on a program. Getting in shape is multifaceted and we got to look at it as such. I'm giving you a lot of stuff, but there's something to take in consideration. I guarantee you it will get you that much closer to what you're trying to achieve. It's not an overnight process. And it takes work, but it, it can be done. Now, this last part I want to talk about, I'm going to leave you with this. This is probably the biggest thing. Stop making exercising, working out, fitness, all that stuff. Stop making it personal. Yes, it, it has a tie to you. You should like it. Now, does it mean you're going to be the person jumping up in the morning? Yes, I get to go work out. You don't have to be that. I'm be real. I'm not even that. And I've squatted over 500 pounds, deadlifted nearly 600. I've ran miles another seven minutes. I, I was a sprinter. I could jump far. And I've done a lot of physical feats that most people in the world have never done. And I'm proud of that. Cool. But there's even times where I'm like, I don't really care. It doesn't mean that you're not caring about your goal. Or it doesn't mean that you're less of a hard worker. Because when I do mental coaching with my clients, whether it's athletes, military, or just everyday person, one of the biggest things that comes across is, am I going about this wrong? And that's okay to have that thought. Because you're going to have doubts. You're going to be like, Maybe I should be working harder. Maybe I should be trying more. Maybe I should do it differently. Those thoughts are okay. And I, I would argue that it's good you have those thoughts because that means it's worth fighting for. That scrutiny that you're giving yourself, it means that, okay, this is something I want and I can actually get it. So let me analyze so I can make sure I get what I'm trying to do. 
But I think the problem comes is when we take it too personally, then every thought becomes, am I wrong? That, you know, imposter syndrome people talk about, like, should I be doing this? Am I really getting my goals? Is the scale changing how I want it? Am I lifting more weight? Those thoughts are okay. But when it comes to the point where you start doubting who you are as a person, because in sport, we call this athletic identity, how well you identify as an athlete so you can carry out the goals of being a high-performing athlete. It's needed. You need to take the game serious. You need to be all in. But you shouldn't take it to the personal amount where if you don't get your goal, it doesn't happen in the way you want it. You doubt your self-worth. And it may sound far-fetched or even crazy, but it happens all the time. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you're very bought into what you're doing. And that could be a good thing, but only when it's up. So when you're losing the pounds you want, when you're lifting more weight, these are the things that make you feel better. But guess what? We already know that's not always going to happen. So therefore, it means that when those downs do come, you're going to be even lower because now you tied even more of yourself into the goal. You have to divide the goal from the person and the person from the effort. You know, when I contract my muscles doing a bicep curl or my or quadriceps, my glutes, my hamstrings, when I'm doing squats or whatever, deadlift, that's not a part of me. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a part of me, obviously, physically. My body is doing those motions, but it's a muscle. It's a piece of tissue doing its job. Outside of fitness, those muscles are contracting no matter what. So why is it so much pressure when I'm doing a 45-minute, maybe hour, hour and a half max workout? Why do I take it so personally? Why do you think that that's the end of the world? Because guess what? Going back to my point, when you do this, then you start thinking, man, I got to do this workout. And it becomes something you're obligated to versus something you want to do. That's my whole point of saying all this because you want to do what you're doing, right? You don't have to love it, but you should like it. It could be a love-hate relationship. There are some days you're going to have someone in your life, whether it's your significant other, your boss, your friend, your family, someone where you love them to death, you care about them a lot, but this day is not the day you want to see them. That's how working out, exercise, fitness, training should look like. But the only difference is when those days do come when you can't do it or you feel like you can't do it, I should say, because you can do it, but some days you're not going to feel like it, you assess it and say, hey, if I miss this day, am I going to get thrown off? Probably not. Let me come back when I'm ready because you're not obligated, but you should be driven to want to do it. So don't be so married to the emotional response. Like there should be an emotional response to getting your goal because you want to do this. It takes work. It takes time. Time you can never get back. So I get why being invested in something is there some kind of ambivalence or confliction because now you're looking at it as if I do do this and don't give it my all and don't get the goals or whatever results I'm looking for, and I've just done four to five hours a week for the last six, seven months, you look like you wasted your time. And actually, I don't care what your goals are. I would argue five months of consistent training is not a waste of time no matter what happens on the scale. As long as you've made some progress, you've gotten stronger, better heart health, because that alone, your body and your organs running more efficiently is adding years to your life for the most part. So that's the goal to achieve right there. But far as the aesthetics part, that's the harder part. A lot of factors go into that. But the main goal is don't take it to the point where you bash yourself, break yourself down, make it feel like you're less than because the mental component of all this is, and this goes beyond fitness, is you have to be consistent and dynamic in your efforts. This notion that is just going to come. Some people are naturals. I hate that term. I hear it all the time. Oh, some people are just natural athletes are naturally in shape. Yes, there's some people with a better disposition to athletics, a better disposition to fitness and physical 
ability. Yes, that is true. But they're not naturals. Because even someone say like LeBron James or the late great Kobe Bryant or anyone in the high level athletics, Tom Brady, they had to work still. They didn't show up. I've competed with some of the best athletes in the world. I'm from South Florida, right here where I'm at in Deerfield Beach, outside this area, the Tri-Counties, Miami, Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach. Some of the best athletes to ever walk the earth. I can name on hands and feet the ones that had that same framework, body, ability that didn't make it. So it's safe to say that it takes more than just being naturally gifted. Yes, there is people with natural gifts, but that's not what gets them there. And the same thing with you. Don't look at the people on Instagram. I know this is probably beating a dead horse. That's not going to give you the right motivation. I honestly say delete those people, not because they're bad influence, but they're going to show the end result. And if it's not the end result, they're going to show this cookie cutter way to do it. that looks cool for a 45 second clip, but it's not going to be what's going to get you in shape. Therefore, we're programming our brain. So let's get into the neuroscience of this quick fix or this simple fix. I'm not going to say easy. Most people still think it's work, but it's simple. Doing exercises that don't require too much metabolic demand, too much physical load, is not going to get you your goals. Yeah, it might make you burn calories. It might make you sweat. Because remember, just being active will make you sweat. And you're going to have to have endurance to do it. But is it going to demand a change? Remember, exercise is stress. I guess that's the way to look at it. Exercise is like stress. And I always say stress is amoral, meaning it's not good. It's not bad. Yes, there's productive aspects that can boost you up and build you up physically, psychologically, confidence-wise. But there's other aspects that can break you down physically, emotionally, confidence-wise, psychologically. So instead of looking at, is it going to be this or that, just see it down the middle of, it's just what I need to do. I guess that's the simplest way to put all I just said. Exercise, working out, training, physical activity, all of that. It's just what you need to do. It's a means to an end. Yes, it's dressed up with some emotional investment is dressed up with some time investment, some work. Your personality disposition even plays a factor. Are you more driven, hardworking, mentally tougher? Are you more laid back, go with the flow? There's different training modalities that will fit those different types. And I might make a video about that maybe. But all in all, it's amoral. It's just something you need to do. Just like you need to go to work, as we mentioned. Just like you need to be social with your friends and family. You need to be healthy. You need to be active. So thanks, guys. I appreciate you, as always, for tuning in. Hope everything I just went over was helpful. Break it down the best way you can because there's a lot of aspects to it when it comes to getting in shape and achieving your goals. And these are things that you can look into on why you're not getting them. And once you start putting them into practice, it'll give you on the right track to get there and also get your mind right.